The Self-Helpful Podcast is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining me as I talk with today's most important influencers, guides, and changemakers to uncover what truly drives them and extract the big takeaway from their personal journey and their greatest wisdom. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and this is Self-Helpful. In this episode, we're talking about how the impossible goal, the impossible goal is actually easily and more attainable uh, to do than the, than the possible goal. And while doubling Let's say you want to double your income in a year, for instance, and that can be easier, as you're about to hear, than just increasing it by 5 or 10%. And this is not just some motivational hype. And to prove the point, I have with me Dr. Benjamin Hardy. This is the fourth time, I think, Ben, I've had you on the show, fourth or fifth time, which may be a record after Michael Hyatt. Uh, first time we had you on the show I did was Willpower Doesn't Work. Your book, Willpower Doesn't Work. I talk about it constantly. My listeners hear about it so often. If they haven't bought it, go buy Willpower Doesn't Work, one of my favorite books ever. Then Personality Isn't Permanent was the second book, another just hallmark book for me that I refer to so often. However, it was in a show about what drives Ben that you guys are going to hear as part two of this series. I'm going to repost it, that I heard his personal story that became the lead story in my new book, What Drives You. Ben is just a brilliant mind. His blog is read by millions every month. He's a master at distilling out a paradigm shifting concept that'll just radically change your lives. It has to me as well. Lately, he's been co-authoring books with renowned business coach, Dan Sullivan, and their latest one is called 10X is easier than 2X. If you're watching the video, it's over my shoulder here. How world-class entrepreneurs achieve more by doing less. That is our muse today. Ben, thanks for being here, man. Another day with you, man. It's always it's always good when I'm back with you, man. Well, it is uh it is a gift, man. And this one, okay, so here's my story too. I I got the book. You sent it to me, you know, your folks sent it to me a while ago. I didn't have to look at it to know I wanted to have you on. So that was a no-brainer. So I didn't look at it because I really like to hit it right before I do a show uh, and and be fresh on it. So it wasn't until we got close to this, I start going through that. But before I did, here, I'm going to give you this testimony. Before I did, I got this email or I think it was a text from my dad, okay, Dan Miller, who you know. And he says, uh, he said, dude, have you read Ben's book? 10X uh, or, you know, 10X is easier than 2X. I said, no, I got it. I haven't read it yet. He says, it has revolutionized my business. I'm taking it to my mastermind group and I am changing the trajectory of my business because of this book. Okay. So yesterday I said, okay, dad, I've got him on tomorrow. What was the big standout? Here's what he said, Ben. The idea of letting go of 80% of what I'm doing now is a standout. It's hard to stop doing things that are working at all, but it opens the door to new results to eliminate a major chunk of what we're doing. We jumped into that. You can tell Ben, I engaged Cassie Shea as my 10X coach. So there you go. How's that? I know her. Do you? Okay. Well, that's who he engaged to do this for him. So my dad, who's... I don't know, 74 now, you know, doing great in his business, has all the income he wants. And he says, you and Dan Sullivan in this book revolutionize his business. So I dove into it. That's what we're going to talk about. I also, I'm jumping on a plane next week with a couple of guys. We're doing this big adventure, but they're both business owners. I 
just ordered two books yesterday. And when we get on the plane, I'm going to give them their in-flight reading material. So there's my testimony. Thanks for being here. That's pretty amazing from your dad. Um, I don't know if I've ever spoken to him, but huge fan. Well, he knows of you. He's read your stuff. And I, man, I want to jump in with, this is a paradigm shift. I mean, this is a, I mean, you talk about it. You say it's an identity shift. This is not a frame it that way. Cause we're not talking about, oh, this is just a new business tactic. This is best business practices. This is a new idea. You're saying, no, this is, this is taking the way that we as a culture, even in business, even in big business, this is how we tend to think makes sense. 2x, you know, we need this increase. This is a, I mean, how do you refer to it? I, I'm going to say it's a, it's a paradigm shift. It's a mind shift. It's a reprogramming. How do you refer to it? Oh man, it is. Uh, so here's, here's the first layer of how I think about it. I no. think about, and this is something I was trained on as a psychologist, and this is not normal psychological training. I got really deep uh, theoretical psychology training initially. And so it, it basically, I, I was introduced into psychology from a deep theory perspective, learning about even things like time and about how time operates on a psychological level. And so one of the things that is really important to realize is, is that all of us, you know, everyone here, everyone who's listening to this or watching it, if you're watching, you're all listening to this from your current frame of reference, your current perspective. You've heard the quote from Stephen Covey, you don't see the world as it is, you see it as you are. Yeah. But everything you experience in the present is based on how you filter your past and how you filter your future. And so most people, when they're operating 2X, they're, they're operating from their past. Um, and that's really what 2X thinking is, is that it's taking your past success or results and your present situation and just continuing on that path. You really don't have to do that much change to go 2X. If you wanted to 2X your podcast over time, um, you're well on the way of doing that. You know, And so that's a, that's a past present model. And that's really how most people operate. But the 10X mindset is a lot more imaginative and a lot more creative. And so rather than letting the present determine what you do in the future, you actually use your imagination to imagine a seemingly impossible future. And you let the future dictate who you are and what you do in the present. And so like that's, it's a fundamentally different approach and it, and it does force a lot more honesty. It, requ it, it, when you take it seriously, uh, it creates a lot more simplicity, but it does invite you to, to make a lot harder choices. And it then invites you to let go of the past aspects of yourself that don't fit the new 10 X future. And so, I mean, that's, that's the basics of it. I mean, certainly we go a lot deeper, but it's, you're either letting a seemingly impossible future, which is extremely exciting shape who you are and what you do in the present, or you're letting your past and, and your present determine what you're going to do with your future. Okay. Let's go there. Cause I did not even say this in the intro. I mentioned your other two books, your other book, your most recent book that we had you, that I had you on the show is be your future self. Now, what a great tie-in. This is saying that be your future self now and project your future you know, what you want, that big goal out there. And let's come to that. I mean, we're back to goals. This it, it goals is, I really struggle with the term these days. I mean, my gosh, this was the Ziegler show for a long time and goals are number one. And we all know that without a direction, how are we going to get there? I feel like it's still kind of, it's a lost art though, to really conceive of what do I want one. And then you're saying, okay, what would you want? It, it kind of, kind of playing that mind game of, Look, if, if you knew you were going to succeed, you know, you, there was going to be, uh, you're, you're going to make it for sure. What is the, what's the big goal? What's the big thing that you're almost, 
you'd almost be ashamed to say, almost ashamed to admit, if you could really knock it out of the park, you're making us do that. Even that in and of itself, do you find not even pushback, but almost like a void of, gosh, I've never, I've never considered anything more than 2X. We just, you know, I hope for an incremental growth, but you're saying, what would it be like to, to double my income? Let's just use money as a standpoint or to, or to even more than that, to quadruple my income in 12, in 12 months or in two years, whatever it is. But to really go to the next level, to go from being the, you know, a decent realtor to being no, no number one in the entire city volume wise or whatever it is. Do you find that most people have not really even considered it? Or do you find that they, they can tap into it? They know it's there. I'm curious. A few things. So in the beginning of this book, I used Michelangelo as an example, Mm -hmm. Michelangelo, the famous, you know, um, Italian sculptor and artist. I actually spent six weeks in Italy last that last summer. And so like I saw the David, saw the Sistine Chapel and was just blown away. And if, and, and if you really dig into his story, he's one of those people who called it went 10X again and again and again. And I, I kind of try to lay that out yeah. in there. And Which obviously I use him as an example for multiple reasons. One is, is that he, he completely transformed from level to level to level um, in what he did, but also he did work that most people would never consider they could do something at that level. Most people would never even consider that an option to do what Michelangelo did. And most, so therefore most people would never even consider or even try for that. Most people are more in the pack. Even people who are quote unquote successful are doing, are, are doing stuff that for the most part isn't, isn't at that call at Michelangelo level. So I wanted to give that example because I genuinely believe um, that people can go through those types of quantum leaps uh, if they, if they understand the process. Now, when it comes to what you were talking about with goals and, and, you know, most people's approaches, this is definitely a non-common approach, what I'm talking about. It's definitely uh, a counterintuitive approach. Most people are trained operating from the past and the present towards the future. There's even a lot of research on this that I describe in the book, Be Your Future Self Now, that most people, when they're taking their present, most people have what would be called a fixed mindset. So basically what that means is, is that most people have overly defined themselves and their current self, um, mostly based on the past. And so what they do is, is that they assume that their future self is going to mostly be who they are now. So most people, they take their present and their past and they project it forward into their future and their future self is not much different, genuinely. Um, and so most people do not do this. And I even have lately been coaching big companies like companies doing hundreds of millions in revenue. And even after training them on this, and then the coach, then their CEO will get up and talk about it. They will still operate from their past. Like they'll still be setting two X goals, not 10 X goals, and then letting the future dictate what they do in the present. So, I mean, it takes work even for very successful companies who have gone 10 X many times to get to where they're at. And so it's, it's definitely counterintuitive, but I will say it dramatically simplifies things once you start getting serious about it. Um, one thing that I think is helpful is, is for people to recognize that they have gone 10x before in different ways. And 10x doesn't always have to be literally that you're now making 10 times more money, although you can look at it that way, or that your blog has 10 times more viewers or your podcast in your case. I look at 10x more as a, a kind of a, a next level, like a quantum leap. Like it's more qualitative where it's like, it's a transformation. So like, as an example, going from crawling to walking, that's a 10 X for me. Like now as a walker, you're not going to go back to crawling (laughs) and now you have a different world. Now you have a different potential, right? Uh, When we went from horse and buggy to car, right? That's a 10 X. Like now you're still in transportation, but now like as a car, 
there's infinitely greater opportunities. I used um, Steve Jobs as an example, like going from CDs to iPod. That's a transformation. That's qualitative. But it now, but now look what it made possible. It made possible the equivalent of going from crawling to walking in music. So that's that's the real 10x is the transformation in quality. But it opens up infinite opportunities if you want to do if you're talking in terms of business opportunities. Okay, let's get into the hard part of that. When you first said that too, I'm thinking of a personal standpoint, and you'll remember this: your first kid. There's no way that you, that's a that's huge. That's huge. That's a 20x or 100x. That's I'm a million. Yeah, that's, that's infinite. Yeah, that's, that's big because literally, there's no way. There's no way you can prepare for that. There's no way that you can do what it is and endure the nights and have that child come out and and experience that before it happens, that first kid. So you go from not having a child, not being a parent in essence, uh, to boom, there it is, especially as a guy. It didn't grow inside of me. So boom, it comes out. It's in my hands. Holy smokes. This is a part of me and it exists. And there, and then, you know, our first baby was uh, out of the hospital and they're actually going to let me walk out of here with a human. I am responsible for this human life. That's a huge jump. And we do that overall. And I see you talking about that here. I do want to get into the fear of it. I mean, cause you also to jump into that, like Michelangelo. So he tells a story and he goes after he buys, takes his last four, not dollars. What was the monetary unit? Whatever it is in Italy. I don't even and remember. I can't remember. Anyway, so all the money he's got and he buys this big thing of marble mm. and he starts going after it. He could have destroyed it. He could have made one chop too many or one bang too many. And Oh crap, the head fell off. I'm, I'm out of luck. There could have been failure. And when we look at this, on one hand, I can, now I have had the benefit. I'm going to do this theoretically because I've had the benefit of doing 10X stuff and realizing at the end of the day, you generally don't die. You don't go You've after- have gone yeah. 10X many times, Kevin, as have your listeners. When, uh, okay. they really, when they really reflect and review their past through the lenses, Maybe that's where it. to start then on the fear aspect. Because when did you do that? Anybody who made a big jump, if you, spoke, you focus so much on entrepreneurs. I don't know one, maybe you do, Ben, but who said, you know what? I went after it, went after 10X, big goal, started a business, it failed, and I literally ended up homeless and I died. I, I don't have that story. Maybe it happened somewhere. Yeah. Most everybody, they made it. They recovered. They got a job somewhere. They started another business and they lived to tell about it. Uh, and so, we, yeah, you're right. We probably all have done it, but that is on the other side of it is going, man, I get that. I'm going to go. I'm going to fully commit. I'm going to go after that big goal, but most people are also going to come over here and go, yeah, but what if it doesn't work? Which it may not first off. Fair? Totally fair. Yeah. So this fits back with going back deep into theory, like theory of time when it comes mm -hmm. to psychology is I, I have this concept I call mastery over your past. And so basically from a psychology standpoint, as I was just talking about, to go 10x, you have to let the future and imagine future. And we can talk about why making it impossible is very useful. And, uh, and it's a simple, like there's a lot of decision-making research behind that. That's not just me making it up. There's a lot of deep research uh, and theory behind this uh, and businesses use it, even constraint theory. But just to make this simple, to go 10x, you want to let the future determine what you do in the present. Mm -hmm. And if you're letting the future determine what you do in the present, your present is going to look extremely different from what you were doing in the past. Um, it has huge implications. It, it's like a, an intense honesty filter. And that's really what I look at when it comes to goals and even identity is, is it's, fr it's about framing and it's about filtering. 
your framing is about how you frame yourself, you know, your future self, but also your filter is about your standards and about what you say yes and no to. And so that future, 10x future, is a really intense filter for what you do in the present. Um, like your dad was saying, um, you're going to have to let go of 80% of what you're now doing. That, that It filters that stuff out and it forces you to find that few things with the huge upside because that's the only way to go 10x. But, but also, just like you want to let the future to determine what you do in the present, when it comes to reviewing your past, even for the entrepreneurs who, or anyone who pursued something and it didn't work out and all things seemed to fall apart, or even if you go through extreme trauma and you go through a lot of things that you, know, you didn't necessarily agree to or even deserve, you still have to determine in the present what your past means. And so rather than letting the past dictate the present, you actually let the present dictate the meaning of the past. And, you ha- and that's a skill. That's something that you've got to get good at. And that's part of framing is, is reframing the meaning of the past and using everything as it happened for you, not to you. And you want your past to continuously be an asset, not a liability. And so when I say asset, it means you are benefiting continuously. It continues to pay you because of what you continue to learn from it, even the challenges. And if you can do that, then it really doesn't matter if you go for a goal and it doesn't work because you can take that experience and turn it into more learning such that you're better as a result, not bitter. And so that makes you anti-fragile. It really doesn't matter what happens. You're always going to use it to benefit you to keep getting better and better. So that's really what you want is you want a past that you're continually transforming in value and use, and you want a future that's filtering everything you do and simplifying it. And only really, really big goals are, are good enough filters to filter out the signal from the noise. Thank you. It's interesting as I think, as you're talking, Ben, because I'm thinking, yeah, I have, I've done plenty of 10 X's. You totally have. And other people have, okay, but I'm going to butt it. I, but I didn't, I wasn't intentional, so I'm not doing it consistently. And I I could do, I could have done it a lot more. I can do it a lot more because I look back and some of them I even fell into. Thank goodness. I did a lot of the work. I did a lot of the preparation. I put myself in the opportunity. I'm go back to pro cycling. So, you know, I was there and then there's that one race and the stars align. I had good recovery. I ate a better meal. I, whatever. And I made, I just happened to make, I remember the race. I just happened to make the right move. I attacked the same time all the pros did. And I end up in the group with the big names and I'm the one no name. And I stuck there and holy smokes, the end of the race. And I got third. I'm on the podium. The picture's actually on my website. Okay. It's a huge race. It's, it was, it was a huge, it was a bigger than 10 X. And I, I wasn't in, I mean, was I intentional? I guess I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to backwards look you at it. You committed to something that you could have failed on. Okay. You definitely were not operating based on just habit. You had to really make a, a mental and, uh, an emotional leap to try. Even though I wasn't there. Okay. So I'm going to take a quote out of your book. Most people are afraid to commit fully to the 10 X process because it inevitably requires letting go of your current identity circumstances and comfort zones. That's huge. That, that comes back to where I led into this. This is a paradigm shift. So if you're going to go with the 10X process, it's not just decision. It's saying, letting go of your current identity, how you see yourself now. Is this fair? Correct me if I, if I go wrong. How you see yourself, letting go of your circumstances of being, I think, controlled by what you see it is, letting go of that, and your comfort zones, which we know we're comfortable even in our misery. It's still what it's the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't. So this is a letting go. This is a step back, which to what you said a second ago, if we go to that 10 X thing, it, you have to, by proxy, 
really just can all the stuff that you've been looking at and look at this in a new frame, which I love the paradigm shift. It's kind of like, it, it reminds me of MacGyver. You remember the old MacGyver? I know I'm older than you. A little bit. All right. You know, where the dude ends up and he, he's, he's got a handful. There's, it's a catastrophic, man. The world's going to die. And he has a, a broken watch, a piece of leather and a lighter. And he's going, I, I, this is all I got, but I've got to save the world. I'm going to figure it out and throw everything out and go totally paradigm shifting. You'll go out there and make it happen. And that's what it feels like you're, you're saying here. If I want to quadruple the listeners of this podcast in the next six months, if it's possible, it's happened. I've seen it out there. It's not an impossible thing. It seems impossible to me. It's going to make me sit back and go, I got to, we got to throw everything out. Everything that we're doing, we got to throw out this. Maybe is not everything, but a lot of what you're 80%. doing is going to have to go. Yeah, you're going to have to, you're going to have to really uh, be open to shifts in what you're, in, in what you're doing to get to that level of transformation. Tell me, give me, an, give me an example of you or someone else, either way you want to do it. Okay, I see you smile. Go ahead. Well, let me first start by saying this. I think somewhere, I'm actually just going to quote it because I, I forgot it. I have the book sitting right here, luckily for me. So there's a quote that I threw in right at the beginning of this book by Richard Bach. It says, what the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the butterfly calls, oh, sorry. What the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls a butterfly. All right. So letting go of your past self feels like the end of the world to your past self. Mm -hmm. uh, another way of looking at this is this. Does the child who now starts walking, do they feel miserable that they gave up crawling? Hmm. No. Like letting go of your past self is not, people make a huge deal out of it. Like they, they, they mourn the loss of their crawling self. You know, and like it's no, you are, you're letting go of the old self to evolve into your next higher self. Um, and so you don't, I, I think that often when people are letting things go, letting go of their past self, letting go of their past circumstances because their future self is, is pulling them forward and is filtering out, uh, filtering to a new standard. You know, this is a big part of identity. Identity is really about, um, story and standards. Another way of looking at that is, is framing and filtering. But when you raise the standard, you know, if you raise the standard of your podcast, um, then there would then there would be certain components that would have to get weeded out um, that you know you might not even become aware of which aspects need to be weeded out unless you made the standard so high that you were like okay to get to that high standard you know it could be true of me as well like if I that's actually what happened you know I made the standard of this book a lot higher than my past standards of my prior books and it forced me. Uh, first off to do a, a, a way more deep work, way more research than I typically would. And I researched the heck out of my books, but I had to go through a lot more <laughs> to write this book. Um, but I also had to get better who's I had to, uh, once the, once this book reached kind of the level of my future self book, everyone was happy with it. My editor was happy. I mean, not my editor, my publisher was happy with it. Hay house was happy. Dan and Babs were extremely happy, but I had a different standard. Like my identity had gone up. And, right. and, and, but I couldn't get there. I didn't know how to get there. And so I, and, and I had to be willing to find a new who, and the thing about higher standards is, is that there's less, mm -hmm. there's less options to get there. And so there's, there wasn't very many people who could get me to that next level. There's a lot of people that can help help you become mediocre, but when you're really going for mastery, there's very few, which means that the filter is really intense. It really filters out most options and there's really only a few. But I did find that person. And what's really interesting is, is that from the, from, the from the few people who I worked with, 
So again, at my current level, at my current self, when I was at the book, you know, like a few months before I was finished being writing, at that level, the filters, the standards of everyone around me were saying, this book's like a nine or a 10, Ben. <sighs> but I knew it wasn't from where I wanted to be. And then the people who I could find who were operating at that higher standard, they said, no, the book's a five. <sighs> from their standard, it was a five. And so they helped me from that higher standard get the book up closer to what they would call a nine or a 10. And so that, that required a much different thing. Here's, here's what I'll say is, is that um, like I'll, I'll give two episodes of my life and I'll keep them super simple. I'll give three. I mean, I gave multiple in the book. Sure, I'll, sure. But I'll give some that are a little bit more relevant to, I'll give some that I know, because I know you well, I know that you know the story more than some. So I'll give one example. When I'm a, I'm a young boy, and on the stories even in your book, but I have this goal or this future of going on a mission. And that mission really was a beautiful filter for me. It allowed me to make it through uh, a lot of tumultuousness. And, and it also did require me to let go of a lot of things to get there. That's the whole idea of things got filtered out. Um, just so that everyone who maybe hasn't read the book uh, has like a little bit of a visual. One of the things that we talk about in this book and it's in chapter one is, is we have a framework where we talk about the 80, 20 rule. So basically like according to the 80, 20 principle or the Pareto principle, 80% of your success comes from 20% of what you're doing. And so how we kind of uh, made that idea visual for this book is we said that if you're going to go for two X growth, you can keep 80% of your life. You only have to change the 20%. So you can keep the 80% if you're going to go for 2X. Because if you're going to go for 2X, kind of like you with the podcast, you're already well on the way. You yeah. can keep 80% of what you're doing. You can you just have to get 20% better in certain ways. Um, whereas if you're going to go for 10X, the filter is so high that it the 80% of what you're doing now got you here, but it won't get you there. So 80% has got to go. You can only keep the best 20. And with that 20, you've got to get 10 times better, 10 times deeper. Um, and so I'll just give a quick example. Now, now a few. So with that mission, as one example, and I'm going to give just three quick episodes. The last one being extremely recent. Um, okay. That future was my filter. And everyone has this, by the way, in psychology, they actually call it the default future. So everyone already has a future that's driving their behavior. Everyone has a future that, they're, that they fully believe in, even if they don't want that future. We all have a future that we most expect and which our brain most predicts. And that's called the default future. So we're all already being driven by the future. Um, but for most people, they're just creating the future that they most believe in. Um, but what I'm saying is, um, for me as a young boy, going on a church mission was such a, a, a beautiful filter for me that it actually allowed me to avoid a lot of stuff that, I, you know, a lot of trouble that I would have gotten into. But also it did require me to get onto that mission um, to let go of a lot of things that would have honestly plagued me for the rest of my life. Mm. One of them being, for example, like holding on to grudges and anger and hate towards my parents. I had to let go of those things to get onto that mission. I had to forgive my father who was at that, at that time, a drug addict. That was part of the 80% that had to get filtered out. That was part of my old self. And the goal is really what filtered it out for me. I let go of that. And I then went on that mission, which was a much bigger future than anything I'd ever done. And it did change my life. I'll just give two more simple ones. So that was an example of a, yes. uh, of a, a, of a goal or of a future that, that let, uh, it required me to let go of a lot of my past self and my present self and even a lot of my trauma and a lot of things like that. So I'll give two just really simple. Is that, is that okay? Please, please. So when I was a first year PhD student, 
and getting into a PhD program, by the way, was a massive 10x for me. But when I was there, this was in early 2015. We had just become foster parents of two kids. I, I do, I, I do want to interject. I mean, because and this is in my book, folks. It's, this is the lead story and what drives you. And it's because you're talking about that going to a PhD was a big step. Because, and I, if I remember the numbers right, too, you know, you're ultimately barely squeaked out of high school. You're 19 and spending 14 hours a day playing World of Warcraft. You know, bounce sure. between your mom and dad, and your dad's a, a meth addict. I mean, there's, there's nothing. There's no experience really that you have. There's no future hope. There's no skills necessarily. I mean, I'm looking at you and going, this is everything that I would, I would, uh, this would be the hell to think that this is my kid, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I was, yeah, at age 19, I was playing world of Warcraft 16 plus hours a day, living at my cousin's house on his basement, but I was deeply, uh, interconflicted. Luckily I had that goal that ultimately finally allowed me to weed that stuff out. I, that's part of my 80% was 16 hours of world of Warcraft. And I would have looked at you and go, the dude has no drive. He has no future. There's nothing to build on, which is again, why it's a great story because the drive was there. You just had to find a reason for it, which you did. So yeah. So go from that 19 and then real quick, I mean, what is the trajectory time-wise? And we're not talking that long before you're uh, 19, you go, you know, you come out of that, come on the mission. So and I then went on the church wanna... mission on the day after my 20th birthday. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous. And I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. You all know I greatly value and pursue my health and wellness, and I'm always looking for better products and resources 
Nutritional supplements are a staple for me, and a must is a probiotic to support my gut health and function. A probiotic is something I've taken each and every day for the long-term cumulative benefits. Seed is a company that makes a symbiotic, which is actually a unique mix of probiotics and prebiotics. Probiotics are beneficial bacteria and prebiotics are food for these bacteria. So Seed's symbiotic containing both helps balance my gut bacteria. So together, the Seed DS01 symbiotic benefits my gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. Taking seeds, DSO1 symbiotic, and avoiding the foods I know my body is sensitive to has taken me from constant digestive problems to almost none. I trust seeds clinical trials and breakthrough research that's been published in top scientific journals. You can entrust your gut with Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash drive and use code 25DRIVE to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com slash drive, code 25DRIVE. And yeah. that was in 20, 2008. So, so you're at zero at that point. Zero at 20. Let's just say zero at 20. And then PhD is what, 26 or something like that? Or was it later than mm, that? Uh, no, 30. So 30, 10 years later. Okay. But by that point, I also had willpower doesn't work out. Seven figure business, three kids. Actually, well, yeah, forget five, that. It was, it was a lot quicker that you're the number. That was a crazy water. 10 year journey. Yeah. So from age 20, yeah. 20. So, but basically I went on that mission for two years, came back. So now it's 2010 go through my undergrad, meet my wife, get married. And now it's 20. I got into the PhD program in fall 2014 and by 2015. So this is episode number two and I'll share very quickly episode number three, which is recent. But I just want to tell you that when you take this concept seriously of letting the 10X future determine what you do in the present and that you know that 80% of the present is more your past self, which is more your security blanket, it invites you to let go of a lot of things, including ideas, assumptions, beliefs, but also what you spend your time on, how you spend mm-hmm. it, how you do it. Um, so my 10X future self at that point in time, my 10X back in 2015 was I wanted to become a professional author. So this was in 2015 and I really wanted to get a six-figure book deal with one of the major publishers. And the reason for that, one of the reasons why I did want to be an author very deeply, like there, that was a deep why, but the reason I wanted to get a six-figure book deal rather than just, um, you know, publish a book or whatnot. And I already had self-published a book, but I was, that was just a massive 10X for me because first off, we had just become foster parents of, of two, you know, going on three kids. And, and so I want to be able to provide for them well. And I wanted to just be able to just write and do what I want to as a living. And so ultimately that goal, it being so big, you know, to get six figure book deals is pretty rare. And it's like probably like, you know, in the 1% of book deals, which is fine. I just wanted to do it, but reverse engineering it, letting the future filter the present and the idea of the 20%, it was a very high bar. Like I had to really get, I had to grow a massive email list. I ultimately had to learn how to get an email list of a hundred thousand plus people to do that and figure out how to do that. And ultimately it led me to blogging online and 
So my 20% was to ultimately become a massive major blogger. And so I had to develop the 20% of that journey was becoming a freaking master at writing headlines, structuring articles, writing in a compelling way. Also uh, capturing emails, like learning email marketing. Like there was a really deep 20% that I had to get really good at. There's a lot of things I had to let go of. Fear of what people thought about me, you know, starting to publish online. Um, people might think my ideas are bad. Getting, you know, um, I also had to let go of my university position. And so in a PhD program, usually your tuition is what they call waived, where like you don't have to pay tuition because you have an on like a, a university position, whether you're a research assistant to one of the professors, whether you have some dinky administrative job on administrative just means you've got some really bad job on campus. Yeah. But because you have a bad you know, because you have a job on campus, they give you a stipend, which is another way of saying they're paying you a thousand dollars a month. That's your pay. You're getting paid like minimum less than minimum wage, but they waive your tuition. So you essentially are getting free school. I, in order to pursue that commitment of becoming that author, I had to have some really hard, scary conversations with my wife. And ultimately part of the 80% we let go of was, is I was no longer going to do that 20 hour a week university job. Therefore we are going to pay for my PhD program. I was the only person in the program paying for my tuition, but that gave me 20 hours yeah. that I could focus on writing the blogs. And ultimately I did get that book deal for willpower doesn't work. So now I'll just share with you one last one. So that was my, that, that, that I had to let go of a lot of things emotionally, identity, my past self. I had, I was really operating for my future self, um, honestly. And that's why I think my blogs went viral so fast is because I was fully operating as my future self and I was writing as my future self and I was fully committed. The recent one is this. While writing this book, and I wrote three books with Dan Sullivan, I, I, my, my future, to let your future dictate your present is not always easy. And so I, it became very clear to me while writing that third book with Dan that we, you know, unless things changed, we were, we were done writing books together. And so like our past was really good. We've just written three books, you know, all you know, the books collectively, the three of those have sold like 600,000 plus copies. They'll, they'll break a million, you know, sometime in the next 12 months, just those three. Um, the ones that we wrote together, Dan and I, who not how gap and gain in 10 X, but because my future is what dictates who I am and what I do in the present, I had to be open to letting go of even a phenomenal thing. Similar to what your dad was saying at the beginning, you sometimes have to let go of good things to go to the next level of greatness. And so those are just a few examples that I no. did have to let go of even great, awesome things because I'm so committed to letting my future determine who I am in the present. Okay. Thank you. Tell me about your, I want to hear you. I'm going to ask you a question and I want your experience of yourself and then a commentary on what you see people struggle with in regards to the future self. So here is somebody now and they're hearing the message. Okay. And we'll get into this a little more in just a second, but, 10x is actually, you know, makes more sense than 2x. So we're going we're to put that out there. We're going to say that. We'll, we'll define that again in a second, a little bit more. But we're saying that. But to do that requires, again, we're back to that goal. And in your case, you know, for myself, it could have been, can I really envision myself on the podium with the pros as a no name out of the Maybe blue? Maybe you couldn't. Maybe. I, okay. okay. That's, that's where I'm going. Could you, you could envision yourself as getting that six figure deal. I'm playing with that. It wasn't from the moment I started. Okay. So this is a really important point back to the psychology of time mm -hmm. that the present, how I'm operating in the present is based on, on the frame 
and kind of, I look at the past and the future as the draft. It's like you would know you've written a book. So like when you're writing a book, it goes through multiple drafts, multiple mm-hmm. iterations. And hopefully each time you're a little bit cleaner, a little bit clearer. So the past is a draft. The future is a draft. And so it's not like the moment I started blogging, I was that clear that I was going to get a six-figure book deal. I mean, I, I, I was starting to learn about it. I was asking agents. I had actually written an ebook, you know, and so remember, it's an iteration. In yep. a week from now, my future self is going to know a lot of things that the person you're talking to right now, my future self is going to know a lot of things I don't know, which is awesome because I know a lot of things I didn't know yesterday. I'm not the same person I was yesterday. So my original goal was just to get my first ebook published. But in getting more information, I came to the quick conclusion, none of them knew who I was. I had no website. And so like, there was no way I could get a book deal. And so I'm like, okay, so how do I do that? Well, you're going to have to start to grow an email list. They originally said you got to have 5,000 email subscribers. If you have 5,000 email subscribers, you could probably get, you know, a five or $10,000 book deal with some publisher. And so I was like, okay, so that, that started to inform my goal. Um, but in really digging into it and really, you know, learning more about it and in starting to build some confidence, um, you know, and having some powerful conversations over time, the goal shifted to, I actually had a really important conversation. I think you might know Jeff Goins. Jeff Goins. I was, yeah, I was going to go there. Yeah. So I remember I had about 10,000 email subscribers and I was anxious. I really wanted that book deal because becoming an author was such a, a deep desire. It was a drive using your language. And he was like, dude, you can get a, a book deal right now. It's going to probably be like 15 or 20 grand. He's like, but you're, you know, if you wait another year or two, then you know, you might be able to get to, you know, 50 to a hundred thousand email subscribers. You might be able to get a six figure book deal. And I was like, Oh dang. Like again, now I have, you know, more of a different reference frame. And so that then became the thing I started to reverse engineer. How do I figure out how to get to a hundred thousand email subscribers? Cause now I want that. And so that, that took time that, you know, that was still back in 2015. I had that conversation probably in the fall of 2015. And I, so I'd been blogging for maybe four or five months by that point, but maybe, it- maybe, yeah. A lot, well, so in, in that envisioning, then let me bring in another term for you to play with. As people hear this, they get the idea. And we talked about, you know, the fear that can be there, the fear of failure. We're talking about, can you envision yourself doing that? I mean, we're also going to come into the term of faith of just, do you have the faith that it is impossibility? Is it possible? I mean, can you look at, could be, so some way you were able to look there and go, even though you were down here, you had some aspect of either being able to see yourself there or having faith that it might be possible that you, Ben Hardy, coming from where you did, could get a six-figure book deal. And I'm asking for the importance of that as people listen to this, say, okay, here, you get the idea, but would you say there's got to be some aspect of, in, of of the ability to envision that possibility, believe in it, have faith in that possibility that you could? Because if you don't, you finish that. You play with that. How important is that? Here's what I'll say. I mean, I know many people who are not people of, quote unquote, faith, who go for ridiculous visions. As an example, I don't know if Elon Musk believes in God, but he is pursuing going to Mars. And he a has lot faith of people, in himself, at least. Yeah, or, he's got faith in himself. He's got faith in humanity. He's got faith that he can figure things out or that a team can figure things out right. and that it's important. He's got a deep why for that. He may not have a, a faith in God that yeah. deeply impacts or that. And so, like, you can absolutely pursue seemingly impossible goals without, you know, and, and you do have faith in something, whether it's yourself, whether it's, um, you know, well, for me, just speaking. Her. Yeah. Let's go with let's go with self. Sure. At the yeah. I think that Elon Musk has deep faith. And I, I will say, 
I have faith in myself. Well, maybe, maybe more confidence in myself that here's what I would say is I know that if I'm pursuing something and if, if I'm struggling along the way, and if, you know, if seemingly the worst case scenario happens, I lose my, my job, my health, whatever. Um, I, I know, I, I believe in myself that I could figure that out. I believe I could figure that out. Um, I, and, and I think that's a big part of it is, is like, I can figure out, I can figure it out on the other side and, and we'll be, and we'll be okay. Some of that has to do, I think with a, a little bit of a detachment of like, you know, it, it, it's more worth it to pursue it. And even, even if it doesn't work out than to not. And so I think that there's something there, but well, for me, I am deeply a person of faith. I mean, we already talked about, I served a church mission, but like for me, having that faith is huge. Like it's so huge um, in my belief that, that, that things can happen. I certainly pray all the time for increased ability, skill, uh, opportunity, um, praying for doors to open that wouldn't have otherwise opened. Um, you know, every time I would sit and write a blog post back when I was writing those blogs that went super viral, I mean, I would pray and ask God to help me to, uh, to write something powerful that would be read by many people and to help me to do that. And so, I mean, I, to me, that, that, that aspect of things and just the belief that, you know, that's, that, that's less of a faith in myself and more of a faith in, in God's power and what God can do, um, definitely makes this process, uh, a lot more doable for me, at least. I will, I, and, and stay, I want to play right there for just for a second, because as you're talking, I'm thinking, cause I share that faith, uh, you know, in myself and, and as unto God, honestly, even to the point of feeling a responsibility of a stewardship, even I, I, to what's been afforded. Maybe God to me. wants you to do some things with your life that are purposeful that help other people, right? Yes. Can we hold that? Because I, I know that some people are going to hear that, and it's all they struggle also with the judgment of feeling bad about where they are. Oh my gosh, I haven't done much with my life. So can we say, you know, that's not the point. Point is, I mean, you need to be okay with you now, and look at, gosh, do I have a responsibility? Do I accept a responsibility to? God, humanity, whatever, even to yourself, to believe that there's more, to believe that the possibility is in you to achieve more. For me, what I, how I look at it is, <clears throat> like my relationship with God is me and God has nothing to do with me and Kevin Miller. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I love Kevin Miller. I want, I want you, you know, I know that God loves you as well. Uh, and anyone listening to this, but because of that, like, I don't think that, like, I don't want to judge myself against anyone else. Like that's, that has nothing to do with it. Like, and so for anyone listening who thinks, well, me, you know, maybe I haven't done that much with my faith or something like that. That's literally between you and God. Like, and also there's so many different factors at play, you know, like we've talked about many times, like I, I have a younger brother who's, who's struggled with addiction his whole life. I don't think that he has lived a worse life than me. I really don't. Um, and I really don't think that there's any comparison. I, I think that, um, you know, I think that his relationship with God is individual with him and God can do amazing things with him that he would never be able to do with me. And so, uh, I think it's a very personal thing. And I think when you're playing that comparison game, like you're, you're in what we would call the gap, right? Like that's immediately, um, the, an unhelpful approach. Um, and so, and it also would lead you to pursuing the wrong goals fundamentally. Um, so <clears throat> I don't, I don't view my, I think that this is crucial is, is it's unhelpful to view your past in a negative light. And so if you, if you believe that you are somewhere 
that's, you know, you should be somewhere different or better. What that means is that you're devaluing your past. Therefore, your past is a liability. And you're saying that the past is what brought you here. And everything I said, the, you know, near, near the beginning was, is it's the present that should determine the meaning of the past. And this is, again, what we wrote about in the gap and the gain, but you, you will, your future will not be served until you transform the meaning of your past and you reframe it such that it's something that you're grateful for and something that you're learning from. And even you're grateful for your past self, even though you acknowledge that you're not your past self, um, you know, you're now different, but I just think you want to have, you actually want a positive past, even if it's something that, you know, you, you wouldn't relive. It's still something that you're grateful for and that you see meaning and value in, but now because of it, and, and now you, now you have option to go different places. Well, thank you, Ben. I, and I I feel like we've unpacked, I, I hope some of the highlights of the psychology aspect of this to then go in and go, okay, let's go, let's look at that 10x versus 2x that that 80 you already talked about it the 80 20 yep. rule that we are generally spending 80 percent of our time i'm going to own it i am i don't think i'm this bad but i'm still i i got i got some ground to make up but let's just say i'm i'm making spending 80 percent of my time to produce 20 percent of the results let's look at that 20 percent of the results for me to go and devote myself there. And I've actually been on that path with the show. We were talking about that a little bit before we started, that the show is growing a lot. A lot of that has been for me to focus on that 20% and either do away with or delegate. And I want to talk to the, about that a little bit. It even reminded me back, I mean, my gosh, how long ago did Tim Ferriss write the four-hour work week? And the concept- 2007, 2007. Okay. Wow, yeah. It's, and it, it revolutionized a lot. It got us thinking about- delegating some things for me, that is literally delegating a lot of the stuff that needed to happen. It's a podcast. These things need to happen, but I'm doing these Mm -hmm. things. I don't need to, somebody else can do that. It requires me to take the time to find the right person. It requires me to spend some money that, you know, for those of you who are listening to this, you may or may not feel that you have, but that's often going to be, I mean, it feels like that's a big part of this. You've got to either figure out a way to get rid of it or delegate it. And a lot of people in business, there's things that need to be done. You just don't need to be doing it. And that's been, that is my current evolution right now, Ben, with the podcast and why we're seeing it grow is every bit that I'm able to get somebody else to take care of that I'm able to offload that I'm able to partner with. I've I've been doing that too, partnering. So now I have, instead of being, you know, just Kevin, as it was years ago, I have a publisher, as you know, you're dealing with some people there. You have a literary agent. There's the book side on the podcast side. I'm with a network. I have people who are making decisions that I answer to even to a degree. Now I own what I do. Then in my business, I now have a business partner and a, you know, executive assistant and a team of people doing this. And you have some incredible stories in the book of people who literally the one realtor, Janet or whatever her name was, you know, and for every assistant she hired, they doubled their income that year or whatever it went along. So there is some big decisions. I mean, there's some risk right there going, okay, if I'm going to 10X myself, I'm either, it feels like that's the option. You're either going to have to get rid of some stuff or delegate it. Either way, you're not doing it. And it comes back over here into you doing, I look at it at at doing that 20% in there is the stuff that only I can do. This is Kevin's primary gift. And it's not even podcasting for me. It's connections. It's making the connection with the next big guest or getting me on the next big show. I'm able to network and do that. I do that well. But if I'm over here doing all the busy stuff, I don't have time to do it. I'm just doing, I'm busy. And you really got me thinking about that. If I am busy from dusk till dawn, chock full, 
minute by minute scheduled, there's no way I have the energy and availability to 10x myself. It's only going to come in margin. Is that fair? I think that's a really great way of putting it. If you are overly busy, that means you're going for 2x. That's just, a, like, honestly, that's just a, a that's great so distinction. Yeah, that's a distinction. Uh, I was even, you know, recently talking to someone who's fam- super famous, really successful person, and he admitted that. And by the way, you can be someone who's gone 10x many times, and 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 2x is still accidentally the default. Like, you know, like where like you're going, ten, you've gone 10x, but now you've got this new 80% that's fantastic, but now you're busy and you've made yourself busy. That That's me, just for... You know, for, yeah. for and that uh, happens to everyone, by the way. This whole process is continuous. Once you've gone 10x, now you have this fantastic life that you've just built. But to go 10x again, you're gonna have to let go of a lot of the amazing life you've just built, whether that be, you know, getting rid of it or as you were just describing, delegating it off so that it's no longer a part of your time. And I think that that's that's really what this is about, is is it's about depth of attention. It's about, you know, your, your, if your attention is on a hundred things, then you know that it's, it's, it's like low quality attention. Your, your mind is, it's, it's not in deep flow. And one of my favorite books that I read around this was catching the big fish. Hmm. Uh, I think it's by Peter Lynch. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but anyways, the whole book is about how your consciousness is like the ocean. And if you're up at the surface, then it's all you can see is small fish. And I liken that to the idea of if you're if you're doing a hundred things and if you have a hundred things on your mind, it's kind of like having a computer with your tabs open. Um, mm. You want to let go of most of those things. Call it the eighty percent. Whether you've passed it off to someone else, you've delegated it. Certainly, um, maybe you've gotten rid of a lot of things as well. And now you're going really deep on a few things um, to develop an insane level of mastery. Back to Michelangelo. When Michelangelo was asked by the Pope how did you create the David statue? He said, I stripped away or I removed everything that was not the David. And so every time you want to go 10X and become your 10X future self, you have to strip away everything that's not the David, which is the 80% of your life and your past self. And you've got you to gotta let that go. I mean, in my case, just being honest, um, letting go of the collaboration with Dan, like that was a huge part of my recent 10X. Uh, I'm even letting go of my coaching program, which is 70% of my family's income. You know what I mean? Like that's, I'm getting rid of that because to your point, availability, you use that word and I thought it was brilliant. One of the things that Aristotle said is he said that necessity abhors a vacuum. The idea of that is, is that usually if there's empty space, say there's an empty plot of dirt, it will fill. Weeds will grow. If there's an empty spot of five minutes, it will fill. Uh, it'll fill with social media or some other trash, right? And so to create that space, to strip away or to create that room so that you can actually be open and so that you can go deep, most people won't do that, but it's it's those who are willing to do that, to create that space and to let go of some of their security blankets. Maybe it is, you know, whatever your hobbies or addictions are, sometimes no, hobbies aren't bad, but like, you know, in terms of like, I might have, part of my 80% might be just like scrolling on social media, right? Um, like that's a security blanket. I do that to fill the vacuum of space. And so instead of figuring things out, connecting to my future self and maybe getting better and deeper at something, I'm just honestly just grinding the wheels. And so the people who make quantum leaps, they take that space and time is really a qualitative thing. When I say qualitative, I mean a minute is not a minute. A minute in deep flow or a day in deep flow or six months 
is very a very different six months than if you're just grinding away. Um, you know, on, like just moving along on the same path you're on. But if you do take those three or six months, for me as an example, I took six months and I put my head down and I wrote this book. Um, or Lynn Manuel Miranda, you know, he took like three to six years and wrote Hamilton. He had to create a lot of space to invent and create that. But what happened when he did? Boom, like all of a sudden, he's now like probably worth hundreds of millions of dollars. He changed the game. Um, but it's because he went deep. It's because he he really went deep into flow and was willing to give himself the space and the time to go deep. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's a huge part of it. I want to get yeah, go ahead. Go with a couple of resources. Now you said a book catching the big fish, which I don't know. So everybody can look that one up, but to you, you said, you know, deep and flow Cal Newport. We all know Cal and his book, deep work is if somebody wants to to look at it's a great book it's a great deeper book. yeah, into this topic of deep work. There's we've had him on the show. You can go search. Uh, we've had Cal on the show and Steven Kotler is the, uh, I'd say he's the poster child of flow right now. Uh, and so it, the thing I will, the caveat I will say about, yeah. At least Cal and um, Stephen mm-hmm. is is that although they're both technically entrepreneurs, I, I'm just going to say it just because um, authors tend to think like authors and not like entrepreneurs. And I will say that even most like a lot of productivity junkies or even productivity scholars like Cal and I love Cal's work. I'm excited for his new book that's coming out, by the way. But um, Cal, when he teaches productivity, does not teach it in terms of who, not how. Okay. He teaches it in terms of here are a lot of productivity tools and frameworks so that you can be highly productive. He's still very individualistic. And um, so the only reason I say that is, is, is that if you start really applying who, not how, you don't have to, you don't have to become such a, a productivity wizard with 50 optimization tools and stuff like that. Like who, not how is such a simplifier. And it really, again, like 10 X versus two X, most people are operating in a two X way, meaning from their past. Most people still think in terms of how, not who. And when you really go straight to how, when you go straight to who, then it, it simplifies everything because you don't have to optimize the who they will focus on themselves. You give them autonomy and you let them take responsibility. That's a big part of leadership is trust, trusting yourself and trusting the who, and they now cover it. Say you have 50 tabs open on your computer and those 50 tabs represent things that have to happen in your business. You've now just passed 20 of those tabs to a who, and now you don't have to think about those. They are now responsible. And one of the things that people learn over time and through trial and error, just like walking, is how to get better and better at filtering for the right who's and setting them up for success. And sometimes you realize the better and deeper you get at this, that you're not the one who should probably even hire the who's. You should probably fire yourself from being the CEO of your business. You should probably fire yourself from being the CEO of of your finances. Maybe you should get a financial advisor, right? Even fire yourself from being the CEO of your health. Uh, Get a a coach, right? And so you don't even need to be the one who finds the who's anymore. You, you, you know, the team starts to uh, own itself and you just stay deeper and deeper into the parts that, that you want to focus on. And so that, that would be my only caveat. I'm in huge deep, fan of deep work and even of flow. Um, but I think that a lot of these people, they really, they, they, they teach beautiful principles, but I just think that one of the important components that's slightly different here is, is most of these people don't think in terms of, uh, teamwork and leadership. Most of them think in terms of individualism and optimizing the individual. And when you really start thinking as an entrepreneur, it, it, 
you honestly bypass a lot of a lot of the tools and techniques that they're teaching. Well, thank you because and you're speaking to I can testify to that. I am uh, I am not the CEO of my company because I'm not a good CEO. I have my area of well, you street. can be a good CEO if you want to go two x, but you want to go ten x, and so you're going to get a yeah. better CEO. So I've hired. That's my brother now who does that. And you kept mentioning. I do want to point it out. Who not how that is a book. Just look it up on Amazon, who, not how. That is Ben and Dan Sullivan. deeply foundational to going 10X. So go, yeah, go there and and look at that. And you're right. I mean, I shouldn't say you're right, but I mean, it's, I, I agree with that as far as for me too. I am not a productivity junkie. I am not. I need big blocks of time to go deep while people, everybody else, I get, my team can use the productivity stuff. It's not for me. I need, I need a different methodology and back to your who and not how. So I want to go to, to do this though, back to the paradigm shift, back to changing the identity that you have of yourself and of the way in this sense, we'll use a business or whatever goal that you're going out there to. This is an exercise. I mean, I'm thinking about this, Ben, because again, even though I have done 10X, it has not been intentional. Now, if I'm going to go forward and say, I want everything I do to be 10X, I'm going to have to practice it. It's going to have to be up on the wall and say, okay, what's the next thing that we want to do? You know, what's the, where's it, where do we want to make progress? If I don't want to make progress, this is moot. So let's say my health and wellness is is good. It kind of is good right now. I, I, how do I want to 10X it? I'm, I'm kind of okay at the moment with that. How about financially? That'd be fine to 10X that or with my show or something like that. But to do that, then we got to put that up on the wall, realize that I'm probably wasting 80% you know, of my time. If we're going to focus on that, what does that look like? For me, I got to play a mind game. Of like, okay, if my goal is to be the next Barbara Walters, I want to go be on a podcast, man. I want to be, I want to be the guy, the person who brings the best of the best in on a talk show, on a stage that's publicized. If I was going to do that, so I'm not opposed to doing, that'd be a 10X up here. What does that look like? There's a truckload of stuff that has to change. I mean, we've really got to back off. And maybe even initially, and for folks listening, allow themselves to think without uh, I like to play with this, Ben. This came to me a long time ago, came to me. I probably was given to me and I adopted it. But somebody said, you know, for 30 minutes, do an exercise, you and your team, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, but do it. And you can only share, this is a brainstorming session. You can only share ways that this could be possible. This is not the time to, to look at what could go wrong, what might not happen. You have to, we're going to pay you a million dollars if after 30 minutes you spend the time and come up with 10 reasons why this could be possible. I mean, we've got to play some mind games here to some degree or let us off the hook of what could go wrong or what we don't have. An, maybe what we don't have, we don't see how, we don't see the how yet. Okay, this is it. We don't, I don't know how to do it yet, but we've got to let ourselves get there. We're back into the psychology of it. We've got to let go to be able to even do this exercise at the beginning, don't we? So I'll give you a few, a few thoughts on this. Um, Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. 
no idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. So my book and this podcast are named What Drives You. And what drives us, the great things, is our own values, our known values. When we go astray, it's because we've lost sight of our values. Therapy is key for helping you clarify what matters most to you so you can do more of it. I was late to taking advantage of therapy. It was only for crisis, but now myself and most of the rock stars I have on my show get therapy regularly. For most people, the main hurdle is starting therapy. I recommend you try BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's flexible. It's suited to your schedule. And trying it doesn't involve an afternoon of your time and all the hassle. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapist anytime, no additional charge. You can learn to make time for what is most valuable to you. So visit BetterHelp.com slash what drives you today. You get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash what drives you. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. One is, and this is a tool that I, I had some of the people in my, in my program that I mentioned earlier is going away, but we, this is something we talked about literally today is I had them look. So you and I are having this conversation on September 8th of 2023. I don't know if that's bad to, to date it, no, but um, what I had them do is I invite them to look back to the beginning of the year and I actually invite you to do the same as well. Okay. Go back to January 1st of 2023. Are there any things that have happened or things you've accomplished. It could be experiences or achievements or things. Are there any things that have happened so far in 2023, so far, that your January 1st, 2023 self would have thought were impossible? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Awesome. So now the next question, I'm not going to tell you what the, uh, to, uh, to say what they were, but I want you to go back to that 2023 self and ask why did that version of you think that those things that now you've realized or experienced, why did they think that those things would have been impossible? They might not have even been on your past self's radar, but I'm just saying, if you could go back to the th thinking process or the situation of your past self, why would they have thought that those things were impossible? Yeah. It's a, my first thought is just limiting beliefs. If I go back then, it was things that I didn't see a way how I didn't see a way, um, 
and in truth, as I go, as I come to now, how did I find the way I did? Well, man, give myself credit maybe for finding the right people, the who's that found the way I didn't know. So I reached out to people who were at the place I wanted and go, how, what are you doing? That's it. And they led me then to those. And then I found people who I realized, okay, this is what the result I, I want. I don't know how to do those things, but it sounds like you do. You go figure it out. And it was trust. It was a lot of trust, honestly, a lot of back to faith. I couldn't agree more. Um, so here's kind of the key point is, is, and this, a lot of this comes from research from Dr. Alan Bernard, who studies a concept called constraint theory, okay. constraint theory being a business, like a really well, well-established business theory about choosing a particular goal. And then the goal determines like the bottlenecks. Um, and the goal mm-hmm. is to ultimately get rid of most of the bottlenecks and focus on just the key bottleneck using the language of the one thing, find the one thing that's ultimately going to make, make it all worthwhile. That's the, like, that's like the deep 20%. But I think that a, a few uh, there's a few key quick principles here, and then I'll actually talk about that research on impossible goals from Dr. Alan Bernard. But I think that the first thing that you're discussing that's really important is is that you know this this is the big one of the big concepts here is is that going 10x is a is an honesty filter, and it forces you to strip away everything that's not quote unquote the David. And the reason I say that is 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 that what's 10x for you may not be 10x for me. Right. And so this goes back even to the conversation we had before about God that it really, um, no one else is me. And so like for me, my next 10X, and by the way, every 10X is going to be nonlinear from the last as an example, like maybe I want to write, you know, 10 times better books, or maybe I want to go and join the seminary. Right. And maybe that's my next 10X. Right. And so like, it's not going to be linear and that's even true of Michelangelo. You know, he went from, you know, building statues to eventually painting the Sistine Chapel to eventually becoming an architect, right? And so it's not always a straight line. Um, and hmm. actually it shouldn't be because your future self is a different person than you are. And so they've got a different perspective and a different what's, you know, and so um, I think that it's really important to, to continuously be in touch with what you most want and with what you most believe in and let that be your 10X. You can certainly, you know, make it bigger because making it bigger will simplify the strategy, you know, back to the idea of the 80, 20, if you're going for two X, then you, then you can keep 80% of your life and you're not going to be required to do that much change. And you're also not going to be able to, uh, discern how to focus on the few things that matter. And mm-hmm. so that, so I guess just the first invitation is intrinsic motivation, honesty. I love the quote, all progress starts by telling the truth, mm-hmm. go for the future self and the 10 X that is most relevant to you, even if other people won't understand it, you know? So, you know, and that's, I think that that's just key. That's just, that's key. That that's one of the things that I think an 80% we all have to let go of is worrying about what other people think about our future self. Um, but in terms of now talking about the impossible goal. So yeah. one of the things that Dr. Alan Bernard, who studied this whole concept of pursuing impossible goals, he studied this for a really long time and I'll, I'll, I'll make it hyper practical. So one of the things I just had you do was look back on your past self and ask yourself, what things have you already achieved this year that were impossible? And to honestly just identify why your past self would have thought things you've already achieved are impossible. That's great. Well, why do you want to uh, pursue things that are impossible? One of the reasons, so as an example, rather than going for 10% growth, right? Rather than going for 10% growth, which is very marginal, one of the reasons why you would not want to do that is because there's literally a countless 
options to getting 10% growth. If I wanted to ask you, how do you get 10% more blog or podcast subscribers? There's probably actually, honestly, a hundred different things you could do. Um, but if you wanted to get 10 times the podcast subscribers, if that was your goal, right? most of most things wouldn't get you there. Most things would not get you to 10 X only a few really amazing things would get you there. And so that is part of why you want to do it is, is that that gets you into the 20% that there's only a few things that could get you to an impossible goal. There's only a few things that could get you to 10 X. And so that's really useful because those are the few things that have the biggest upside. And those are the things you want to focus on if you want to be effective with your time. And if you want to, you know, go transformational, you can't go 10 X staying in the 80%. You just can't. It's just, it, that stuff is not effective. It's a waste of time, honestly, if you're wanting to go for 10X. So it's really useful because it helps you have a lot more discernment. But there's, there's another really powerful thing. And that's if you're pursuing something you don't know how to do, then you're no longer operating from your past self. You're no longer operating from your past assumptions. If you know how to do it, then what you're saying is, is that, you know, I know how to do this. So therefore you're operating from past experience. Whereas if you genuinely don't know how to do it, then you're forced to start finding new and different ways than your past self would have done them. So it's really powerful to go for impossible goals. Um, but what I'll say to make it really simple, and I, there are incredible stories I could tell you. I mean, there's a story I kind of want to tell, but uh, it's it. not of me. There's a story I kind of want to tell. Please. But I, but I want, you know, and someone who read the book and who's achieved insane things in simple ways, and I think it may give the, the listeners some good context. But one of the, th- I'll, I'll just say this. So again, we're in September of 2023. So it, it would be useful for people to go for an impossible goal before the end of the year. If someone's listening to this right now, I know that it's just you right now listening to me, but uh, you know, what would be something that you genuinely believe to be impossible between now and the end of 2023, you know, and you don't have to answer it, but think about it and make it such that you genuinely believe it's impossible. Part of why you believe it's impossible is because you don't know how to do it. You, you have an idea maybe, but truth is, is you'd probably have to really think it through and probably find some new and different ways. And so that would be one thing that my team has done is we actually pursued some impossible goals in August. We pursued specifically two impossible goals in August. One of them was a goal that we had for the whole year between now and the end of the year. And I just said, let's just go for it in August. Um, And we actually achieved it. And we learned so many things as a result. And my team saw themselves do things that they didn't think were possible. The other goal that we had that we went for that was impossible, we, we didn't get near achieving. But what happened because we started pursuing it on such a short timeline, it was an August goal. Um, because we started pursuing it and our team took it seriously, the who that was over that was like, well, if we're going to go for that, we're going to need to get X, Y, and Z. We're going to have to get a few other who's. And so it expedited dramatically the stuff we were going to eventually have to do anyways. In other words, we had to really raise our floor. Like we had to get so much better at a few things. Um and we, we needed to make huge changes if we were serious about that goal. And those were changes we would have eventually had to get to anyways, but now because we're like pursuing it now and we're going for it, like we're actually going for it, we're committed. It, it immediately accelerated a lot of the, the growth process and, and started weeding out a lot of the stuff that didn't matter. So it was awesome. Um, do you care if I share with you a quick story or do you I'm, want to follow up on any of this stuff? Too, please. Yeah. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm going to tell you a story of a guy named Greg. All right. This story is freaking interesting. And I'll tell you why I like this story. This guy's 56 years old, a really good, he, he lives in Columbus, Ohio, just a great family man, a uh, Christian man, but just a, honestly, just a great, nice man. Um, 
And so I, I just want you guys to have that framing. He's just a lovely family man. Uh, his name is Greg. So anyways, for most of his career, he worked with his wife because his wife's uh, an interior designer. And she specifically designs um, like spaces for care patients, often with like dementia and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like So like she'll create those kind of environments that are suitable for people like that because often regular houses and stuff may not be suitable for them. So he spent most of his career supporting his wife's company. But back in 2018, Greg decided he wanted to go off and do his own company. He still he was kind of interested in commercial real estate, but he still loved that same audience. So his goal was to create big care facilities and like to get the funding and to have the real estate and to build care facilities for people with dementia. And so in 2018, he started that company, left his wife's company, went on his own. And then, you know, they got some funding and they built their first property. So it cost $11 million for them to build this huge, beautiful building with 90 beds so for 90 care patients and so they got the funding they did it they built the beautiful building by 20 so they started that in 2018 by 2019 that building was done they had 90 care patients and a staff of 100 people some of them leaders a lot of them there then covid hits boom closes down everything 2020 passes 2021 2022 now we're at the beginning of 2023 and they couldn't keep building because like the price to build that 11 million dollar building in ohio now in 2022 and 2023, no longer $11 million. It's now $20 million to build the same building, right? Like it's just, the world's crazy. And then, so he's, so now he's 56 years old and it's 2023, beginning of the year. And he's kind of just thinking about his future self. He's thinking about his life and he's like, you know what? I love what I'm doing. I'm happy to do this for another nine or 10 years. So to age 65, cause he's 56. So to age 65, he's like, I'm going to do this for nine or 10, nine ish more years. And my goal is to have three big properties, three care facilities, and I'm just going to sell them all and get a windfall. So just to be clear, his call it nine or 10 year goal is to have three buildings, full on care patients with the staff and stuff, but essentially three buildings is the simplest way to say it. Well, then he reads this book. And the only reason I say this is I want to just explain the process Mm -hmm. with everything we've talked about. So he thinks about it. He read this in March because he got an early copy and he's like, And I didn't know him actually, but I knew his wife. So that's why he got the early copy. But he basically thought about it and he said, you know, like, what the, what the heck am I doing? He's like, he's like uh, 10 years. I'm going to, I'm going to get two buildings in 10 years. He's like, that's the future I've committed myself to. So he decided to change the goal on himself rather than getting, rather than having three buildings in 10 years, he was going to have 10 buildings in three. Okay. So he just decided, I'm going to have 10 buildings in three years. And I said, okay, cool. Well, I, mean, I didn't know him, but so ultimately he decided on doing that. And one, and, and one of the things that Elon Musk talks about a lot is that if you want to go for massive growth, you have to start by questioning your assumptions. One of the reasons why you think a goal is impossible is because you, you have all these, you said it, false beliefs, but you have assumptions and you have to regularly question your assumptions. And then the next step from Elon Musk's perspective is remove everything that's unnecessary. But one of the assumptions of Greg was is that he had to be the one to develop those properties because he had assumptions and philosophies and beliefs that only he was the only kind of person who knew these kind of people and that he could only he was the only one who could design spaces that the, they would meet these people's needs. Well, that was a false assumption. Um, so anyways, the new goal with the extremely short timeline, 10 properties in three yeah. years, he had no clue how to do it. It was a fundamentally impossible goal, but he committed to it. This is the key is he committed to it. And so then he became... Once you get fully committed to it, and you'll know this as an author, I'll just speak for myself. This may be different for you, but 
I've written many books and there's always a several month period of time. Stephen Pressfield calls it resistance where I'm not fully committed. Like I, I'm, I know that eventually I'll get committed, but I'm not committed. And so I'm kind of just wandering in circles, but there's mm-hmm. a certain point where I turn the corner and I'm like, I have to figure this out. And then once I'm committed, then I start figuring out how to write the dang book. Yeah. I start finding the right sources. I start finding the right stories like because I'm committed. And so the, I think the main point here is, is that he was committed to the goal. And so therefore he became open to finding those new ways. There's that quote, when the why is strong enough, you'll find the how and the who's. And so anyways, he started, um, he called his friend who buys commercial real estate. And I'm going to speed this story up, but, but I want to get to the point because uh-huh. it's a killer. Well, so anyways, he calls a friend of his who, who buys big commercial properties and his, and his friend said, you know, I can't believe you're asking this. He's like, there are literally two buildings in Columbus, Ohio that are right what you're looking for. He's like, I would have bought them, but I just bought a few buildings, you know, somewhere else. And so I didn't have the funding. So Greg looks these up. He knows the buildings and ultimately he, they, they are a ridiculous deal, like unbelievable, unbelievable price. He obviously has to figure out the funding. There's a million things he has to figure out. There's one thing that I think you'll like, and it fits with faith and it has to do with supply and demand. And it's the idea that when there is a strong enough demand, the needed supply will come. Supply Demand is what creates supply. Okay. I know that's a little different in economics, but in psychology, that's how it works. When the why is strong enough, you'll find the how. You'll find supply or create supply that would have never been there otherwise. But anyways, he found, he found um, ultimately the person selling these properties had an extreme time limit. The properties need to be sold in 45 days. And this was like, Greg didn't know how to get the funding. He would have had to staff up these buildings. Like there were so many things he had to figure out how to do, but he, he ultimately figured it out. So 45 days after he read my book, essentially he had those two properties. He went from hundred employees to 300 and he even like filled the rooms with the care patients. And he, he, and like so many of the people r- rose up, you know? And so he, he ultimately had those three properties, which was his 10 year goal. He achieved it in 45 days after changing his goal. But then this is where the huge kicker is. And this is where your listeners can really start applying this is. So number one, his new goal required him to go a different way. He couldn't build them. He had to acquire them. Um, and he had to find who's to help him do that. So if you change your goal, you're going to have to find a different pathway. In psychology, they call that pathways thinking. But And also, like you're going to have to use a lot more who, not how. That's, that's going to be required every time you go 10x. But here's kind of the final thought here. And then I, I want you to go wherever you want with this final, you know, wherever we go. But I met Greg about five or six weeks ago from when you and I are talking right now. I met him in early August of 2023. He told me this story. He's like, Ben, you won't believe this. I now have three properties. I changed my goal. We're going to get 10 properties in the next three years. He's like, I'm doing it. I'm committed. And he's how God this come up in excitement. He's telling me about how his team is transformed you know, they, and how much better his leaders are because they really had to step up. And yeah, some of the people left because some of the people became part of the 80%. They didn't want to go, they didn't want to make that massive change. But then I asked him this question. I said, Greg, I said, what is your impossible goal before the end of 2023? And he said, what are you talking about? I said, what's your impossible goal before the end of the year? I said, if you're not going for an impossible goal, then you're operating from the past. (laughs) And he's like, he listened, he thought about it. And so then he called me a, year, a week later. So this was like a little less than a month ago. He called me and he showed me his goals. He had them laminated. He said, these are my impossible goals before the end of the year. So one of the impossible goals he set was that he was going to get three more buildings before the end of the year. 
He had no clue how he was going to do that. Well, less than a week after he set that goal, and again, he committed to it. And so he started looking. Your eyes can only see and your ears can only hear what your brain is looking for. That's what Dan Sullivan always says. But that's also in psychology. That's selective attention. Um, Anyways, after setting that goal during that week, his partner found three properties that were available that were phenomenal. Um, And they had no clue how to fund them, but they they figured it out. They put an offer on them. And then another really amazing opportunity came up that none of these they would have been looking for had they not set the impossible goal. And so ultimately they have four properties under contract right now. And they're going to end up finishing this year with seven properties, probably 600 employees. Um, All this, none of this would have happened uh, if he was operating from his past, but he was up now he's operating 10 X with a 10 X identity, a 10 X psychology. He's applying a lot more who, not how, and he's growing. I mean, he's going to have seven properties at the end of this year. When at the beginning of this year, his goal was to have three in the next 10. And he's a humble dude, but he's going to finish this year in his net worth has probably 5X'd this year. Yeah. Actually, those properties, by the way, he bought less than a month, less than two months later, someone offered him 8 million more than he paid for those two buildings. 8 million is more than he's ever made in his whole life. Yeah. He, he was offered 8 million more for the two properties less than 60 days after he bought them. <sighs> but he kept them. Finding new ways... You said that you s- talked about when your That's why is thinking when you're, yeah, when your why is strong enough, you'll create the how you talked about impossible goals. That's part, that's this 10 X thing. Okay. Here's what it spoke to me. So what's, what's speaking speak- to you right now? What's speaking to me? I know you were very patient as I told that story, by the way. No, I'm sitting here thinking. And so I'm going to share, I'm going to share something with you. That's dawning on me. That's a brilliant, I'll call it a divine overlap. It's forcing possibility. It's forcing possibility. I have a lot of big names on the show, like you, Ben. People who are established have a big following. Sometimes I have people who nobody's heard of, but I just was blessed to get a hold of their message. So, uh, and, and this guy, I mean, some people know him, but not a, a big name. Jordan Grummet. He's a doctor, a palliative care doctor. He has his book called Taking Stock, and he has a podcast. I think it's called the Earn and Invest podcast, but. The guy's book and what I'm what what you are giving a a tangible answer to that I I had not come to I was still grappling with so the profound thing that he experienced. He's a palliative care doctor, so he's delivering that that end of life diagnosis. He's saying, Ben, man, we looked at your scan, brain scan, you got a tumor, and I, I think you got six months to live, a year, two years, you know, whatever it is. He's that's what he does. That's his life. I'm giving that he's giving those diagnoses and his testimony. Shoot. He's got two, one of them quick sidestep. One of them, Ben, on a, um, this is between you and me, but everybody else can listen later uh, from a spiritual standpoint, as he had left kind of his own spiritual faith. He said, man, when I, when I, when he's with people who pass away, cause he's actually then with them when they pass away, he says, something leaves, something leaves. That's his biggest spiritual pillar right there. Something leaves. So I, just, I didn't want to forget that. Okay. But back to the diagnosis, you've got six months to live. You've got a year to live. The shift that happens almost immediately between the self-protective lives that person has been living, that I've been living, that you've been living. He says it's, it's shifts because now death is really soon imminent. Their future self is dead real quick. And he says their move 
from a self-protective persona and life leaves. And now they become possibility focused because there's a finite time. What can I do? I don't care about all this stuff I've been afraid of that has been holding me back, the limiting beliefs, all the stuff we're talking about. And I'm going to, I'm going to make some stuff happen. It's kind of like that, you know, but almost the bucket list type thing of, Hey, th- throw, you know, throw everything to the wind. I'm going to go make it happen. Okay. So he's talking about that. And of course, what is his point? He's saying, can we come to that perspective before we get an end of life diagnosis? That's the message. This is like six months ago, Ben. Here we are with 10 X. This is the methodology. I'm going to call Jordan. Say, dude, you got to, you got to get with Ben. You got to overlap these books because uh, uh, Jordan, you know, talk to Ben. This is the methodology of taking an end of life diagnosis and the ridding yourself of self-protection, looking at possibility, forcing possibility, causing possibility. This is the framework to do it now before you have an end of life diagnosis. You can do it at 20 years old. You can do it at 30. You can do it right now. This is the framework of how to walk it out. I've been playing with that concept. His concept blew me away. That's why I had him on the show. And I'm thinking, how do I do that? Because I'm not going to die. Well, I hope not. I don't have an end of life diagnosis, at least. And, you know, we can all try to think about how to live life like it's your only last day. I I know I get that. This, though, brings a tangible aspect and a framework your book does to it. And this message does of saying this is how to do it. It's the same concept of forcing possibility. If somebody said, Kevin, I'll give you $100 million at the end of the year if you can take your downloads to 2 million a month instead of half a million. I, of course I would do it. Or somebody held my kid to gunpoint and said, dude, we're going to off your kid. If you don't, you know, take it to a, a, a million downloads, I, I would do it. I'd find a way to do it. And yet we don't do that. Naturally, we go along and 2X. And like you said, even though I can envision 10X, 2X is still my default. I don't know if I can change that overnight, but I can do the exercise by taking your book and your message and saying, okay, this is the, this is the task at hand. We're going to take this and we've got a 10 exit. How can we do it? I don't have a, you just brought it together for me. My, my world's just collided uh, on that. Yeah. I think that uh, there's, there's a few quick things I'll say. Um, So that book's called taking stock by Jordan Gromit. Yep. I'll Grummet. check it out. G-R-U-M-E-T. Oh, yeah, yeah. So a few, a few things you said that are huge oh, and I'll yeah. also add. Here, here's, uh, here's the book. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Yeah. I'll scope it out. So I'll, I'll just give a few quick reference points Please. just to kind of say what you're saying. So one is, is there's a book called Finding Meaning in the Second Half of Life. Uh, it's, by a, it's by a Jungian psychologist, I think. But the whole book is about how the... The second half of life is what I believe to be when you make that psychological transition that Grummet is talking about. Yeah. The second we, half we of also, life. And it's not our- about age. It's a psychological transition. Yeah. And so what he talks about is the first half of life is social. And it's about acquisition. It's about acquiring um, identities, you know, identities, success, family, you know, houses, assets, the second half of life. And it's not, um, it's not like, there's not like a time to do it. It's just whenever you make the shift is spiritual and spiritual is about relinquishment, letting go of so many things that you thought were important, letting, you know, letting go of, you know, there, and it's, it's about, uh, the spiritual life and the contribution. And so I think that that's, that's a, a beautiful angle of, I think explaining the psychological shift of once you get to that 
that place of really operating from more of the spiritual side and um, recognizing the reality that this life is extremely short and no longer being afraid of failure, what other people think. So many things you just start to just, you know, operate more with that, you know, faith, that possibility thinking, but also commitment and um, creating miracles and stuff like that. So that's powerful. One of the other things you said, which is just the idea of forcing possibility. Yeah. I'm only, I'm only really (laughs) registering that because I'm writing a book right now and it's a lot of it's about physics. And so um, the word force is huge because if you think about motion, um, that you got time, space and motion and um, Newton thought all those things were absolute, which is not true. Obviously, like um, we know that all these things are actually relative, (laughs) Um, but um, the idea of motion is, is, is that um, like an object will stay in motion and unless it's acted upon by an outside force, you've heard that an object in motion will stay in motion unless it's, you know, and so if there's an outside force and, and that there's a force that creates acceleration and that acceleration is either a change in direction of the object, or in this case of a person, but there's a force that accelerates the thing. And, and acceleration means that you've either changed directions or you've dramatically increased the velocity of, of whatever direction you're going in. There's a force that took place. And, and so I think it's super important. Like you want, you want to find that force for some people it is hitting rock bottom. Um, for some people, it's, it's a, you know, it's a spiritual awakening, but at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm a believer in, in generating those forces. There's even a concept called forcing functions where you've like, you know, give yourself a deadline, be public, whatever it is. Um, like there's, there's ways that you can create those forces that then accelerate or even change the direction. If there's certain aspects of your life that you want to let go of. Um, the last thing I'll just say right here is, um, raising the floor. Raising like the identity, as I said, identity is two things. It's your story and it's your standards or it's your framing and it's your filter, but the standards or your minimum commitment, it takes massive commitment and courage to raise your floor and then to hold to that new floor. Often we will go back. We will revert back to our old standard as an example, you know, I'll I'll give it in business terms just because this is really easy, but I can also do it in more personal. But like if a person, if a speaker raises their fee, yeah. triples their fee. And now they're, you know, they're getting offers to get speaking opportunities and they share the new fee. They do it maybe nervously because they've never asked for that much money. And the people are like, no, that's way outside our budget. You know, this is our, this is our budget, you know, and it's, it's, it's around the old floor and it's good money, right? It's like, oh, I'm actually, it's like, do you stick with the new standard? And do you say, nah, like I'm good. Like that's, you know, or do you go back to the old floor? And so when you start saying no, to what you used to say yes to and you have a higher filter. Then you really start letting go of the old self. And you and, and you you know, and that's I think where the massive transformation is, is raising the floor. And and you raise your floor in in specific ways. You know, for you, for example, raising the floor on whether it's your, you know, your parenting or your podcast or whatever it is, and like really having a new floor, a new standard. And once you start doing that and you start saying no to the old standard and letting it go. Uh, things skyrocket. Just as a quick example, there's a company that I've been coaching. They're a franchise company. They do about 200 million. They do uh, hundreds of millions a year. They really want to get to a billion. Well, one of the things we found with their floor is, is that, you know, talk talk about their 80%, 80% of these people who are franchisees who run their own versions of this company, most of them plateau at like 500 grand a year. 
most of these companies, most of these franchisees. Well, we realized, and he even knows because people in his 20% are all making around 2 million or more, you know, and he knows what it takes to get to a $2 million franchise, um, the, the CEO that, and even, and we said, well, that has to be the new floor. Like you have to get so good that first off, when you bring new franchisees in, they're fully committed to the 2 million and you know how to get them there. You know, the 20% processes that will get them there, but also you have to filter a lot higher. If you're going to like, you can't just let anyone in and create a franchise unless like, you know, that they're likely to get to that 2 million mark. So you have to focus on quality, not quantity. And so they raise their floor and they're like, okay, we, we have to have 2 million to be our new floor. And people who come in have to be able to get that. Like we have to normalize or standardize getting people there in less than a year. And, and they're, in order to do that, they're going to have to get so much better at certain things. Like it really identifies the 20% where they're going to have to really get really good at first off filtering for the right people to bring them in, but then giving them the network, the skills, the capabilities to actually build a $2 million company. Um, and so like, that's just an example of, of raising the floor. But if they did that, call it in three years from now, rather than having like 50 people, 50 owners, franchisees who are doing that if they just normalize it so that anyone who comes in, that's the new standard, maybe they've got like 300, um, their company will be over a billion in three yeah. years. Also, their ceiling is going to go up the wazoo. If, you know, so raising the floor is huge when it comes to going 10X. The stories in your book, I want people to hear that in, it's a book to get and to study. And it's a new, as you talked about, it's a new framework. That's what I'm going to be using it for. Is, it is a this framework. Is the, this is the framework and, uh, but I wanted to say, as you talk about billion dollar companies, you've got lots of stories of there of somebody who's a, you know, a solopreneur has a side, gig or whatever. this is something, oh, yeah, my goodness, is, people who just thought, start from scratch. Like, honestly, that story you were talking about, Linda McKissick, yeah. the real estate agent, her, her and her husband were 600 grand in debt and she was a college drop, you know, didn't exactly. even go to college. And she started out as a real estate agent to help them get out of debt. Now I mean, she's, now they've got billions in, in revenue. I'm going to send it to but my that kids. Years. Yeah, I've got, but I've got older kids who are still in, you know, high, they're going to college and high school and whatever. And I'm going to give this to them. I mean, it's a different way of looking because the default, my default still, even though, again, I, I love that you pointed out, even though I have looked back, I can look back and say, yeah, I've done some 10X stuff. Even recently, it just, I don't want to say it's haphazard, but it wasn't intentional. So now this is the framework. And I know that's why people like my dad, Dan Miller of 48 Days to the Work You Love at 74 or however old he is now, 76 or something like that is saying, holy smokes, this is this is revolutionizing my business. And he took it to his team. He took it to his mastermind that he leads and is excited about it. So I'm excited about it. I'm so grateful that I get to, I can, I can ask you questions uh, so I can walk this out. Whenever you want, man. Okay. Well, I'm going to, we will, we'll talk, we'll talk off this folks. I'm going to wrap it up here. I mean, I thank you guys for joining me as always on this journey to elevate our experience and improve the way we show up for others. This is Dr. Benjamin Hardy. His book is 10 times is easier. 2X, 10X is easier than 2X. How world-class entrepreneurs achieve more by doing less. You can go find that on Amazon. It's got a zillion reviews. I think I saw it. It's like 900 books overall or something right now. So you can find it. Your podcast, we didn't talk about that, but I want to let them know that podcast, be your future self. Now you can find Ben right now there. A- anything else, Ben, that you would lead them to right now, as far as, uh, uh where they can no, listen, uh, grab the book, either the physical copy or the audio, the audio okay. obviously has three hours of bonus interviews between me and Dan. And yeah, uh, 
you know, check out the podcast, Be Your Future Self, uh, with Dr. Benjamin Hardy. So okay. amazing. Well, Grateful. Check it out. Ben, thank you. Friends, if you appreciate this podcast, what you hear today, share it with somebody else. Rate the review or rate the show on Spotify if you would. Leave a review and a rating on Apple. You can watch the whole show with Ben and me on YouTube and check out the whole episode there. Uh, find me at kevinmiller.co. We'll be putting clips of this show up on there. And if you want to learn how to master your own inner drive, get my book, What Drives You on Amazon. Until next time, stay driven. Most Americans at New Year's are thinking about improving their health and losing some weight. In regards to eating, the feeling is generally it's going to cost more money, more stress and effort, and you got to eat bland food. Well, a solution to all these is HelloFresh. HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. You skip trips to the grocery store. You can count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's literally number one meal kit. You can make saving time a viable resolution with quick, convenient recipes. They're delivered right to you. You just choose your meals and select your delivery date. And HelloFresh handles the meal planning and shopping. So you just open your weekly box of pre-portioned ingredients and step-by-step recipes. And you're cooking quickly with ease and joy. My family loves HelloFresh. We just open the box, follow the recipes, and have something new and interesting and good for us. It's become one of our family's favorite activities together. So go to HelloFresh.com slash drive free and use code drive free for free breakfast for life. You get one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash drive free with code drive free. HelloFresh, it's America's number one meal kit.